Welcome to the Sanctuary at Woodville podcast, spirit-filled sustenance for your soul. I'm looking at my notes and I have three more questions for you, Bill. So let's, um, let's consider this for a second because I'm just wondering, why is there a battle? We're reading about this battle I mean, why does there have to be a war? What's, what does that mean? Why is there a battle and there's angels and there's armies? What's going on, Bill? Well, I think like I mentioned or we've talked about already, from day one in Adam and Eve, the battle started when, when they decided what God offered wasn't enough. So man kind of put a stick in the ground, man and woman, that, you know, we want more. And and God's stake in the ground was, no, he's enough. And so the battle came pretty early. And then through Adam and Eve's um, disobedience of God and Cain um, slaying Abel, and it's just the whole Bible is full of a spiritual battle, like of, of good and evil. And, and, and so that's been human history. I mean... Unfortunately, how many millions of people, or maybe billions, have died at the hands of, of this good and evil battle that's going on, the power struggle of not, not accepting that God's plan for humanity and mercy and taking care of each other and providing for each other was enough, but, but we had to have control over it all. So I almost think, how else could the story end except for the battle? <laughs> the ultimate battle is not just, you know, Armageddon, maybe a physical battle with armies, but in, in the end, it's it's the spiritual battle. So, so almost like how else could it end? It started with a spiritual battle, and it's going to end with a spiritual battle, I think. What do you think? I was a part of... A like a worship team at Faith Community Church um, in Hopkinton. And someone made this comment. We did like a Bible study about heaven and earth. And then she made this comment because um, somebody asked a question about why is the serpent in the Garden of Eden? And then she made this comment like, we don't even know about what the landscape or the relationship was at all right we don't know that the serpent was there on purpose or did they sneak in Mm -hmm. and that was already a part of an attack Mm -hmm. you know because the serpent is evil and god made the garden of eden and it was filled with good things everything was good so where does this evil player kind of come from and he immediately corrupts the humans and then everybody gets thrown out and there's the cherubim and the swords and the flames and you can't go back in Mm -hmm. and fast forward in revelation the lamb breaks the scroll and it's like all of a sudden these steps go into place but it seems to me like we're being let in back to the new jerusalem but there's a lot of steps Mm -hmm. that have to happen and it's really grueling and it does involve the serpent um so the war is the biggest mystery because we don't even know we're in a war Mm -hmm. my next question for you bill do you see relevance in the institution of marriage or 
what we think of marriage and the book of Revelation, what was revealed? So the institution of marriage, well, I think institution was relationship. And so I do see significance because the Trinity is all about relationship. And I think the whether it's marriage um, or close friendship, the, uh, I'm just speaking from being married. The, the thing I think that's the hardest thing for us, but the best thing is we have to face ourselves. And a close friendship doesn't let us get away with like being deceptive and saying, "Oh, I did this, but I'm really doing this." And and so, so I th I think the significance is that that a, the relationship brings us closer to God because we have to face ourselves, and, and facing ourselves can be one of the hard things. I think facing ourselves is one thing that keeps us from prayer, even because. Oh, then we have to face. We have to face what we've done with with God. Maybe we don't want to do that. So suddenly, remember, oh, I got to clean the closet. You know, I got to do sixty other things <laughs> because it's hard. It's hard to face ourselves. It's hard to face up to God and say, "Well, I blew it, <laughs> and I, I haven't been the person I, I have been." So I I think the institution of marriage or relationship is a good one in that it helps us to be more sanctified. And, because without it, it, you know, it's like, I think of when we're single and we have lots of friends, it's easy to, easier to hide things because nobody's like got that spyglass on us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when the spyglass is on us, it's a little bit tougher mm -hmm. and, we, and we gotta think twice about what we're doing. And that's a good thing, really. It's not, it's not a bad thing. But it, I think it's a good thing because the battle is the deceptions all around us, and, and it's it's like a losing battle for us because it's just whether it's the billions of dollars spent in advertising, whatever it is, we're not going to win the battle apart from God. I mean, God's the only one that's going to shelter us from from understanding and protect us because apart from God, we don't have a chance really. And, and so, I think the relationship part of this kid. What do you think? We're married to Jesus. Mm -hmm. It says there's a wedding feast. Mm -hmm. And it also says that heaven and earth come together so they get married. And I like that you mentioned the triune because, you know, the triune is depicted in Revelation in this visual way, giving us that glimpse into heaven and the Lamb and the Father and even the Holy Spirit. So I don't really have an opinion, but I just kind of saw little examples of it, and I'm glad that I have you recorded <laughs> saying that you see the relationships as being that highlight, and that to me makes me think about intimacy as well, mm -hmm. because you mentioned having a spyglass, and that also points to being aware again, awareness. Mm -hmm. Intimacy and awareness, I think, are themes in this book that are kind of like undertones we can maybe ignore if we're not hoping to apply it in our life right now. I have a hard-hitting question for you. We read about the mark of the beast, and we read about 
having the Holy Spirit in us as believers, baptized in the name of Jesus. And this question a little bit relates to if you think revelation is happening now in terms of we're being subject to um, the plagues and the bowls and the trumpets and these steps that lead to Jesus' coming, these signs, these symptoms. I think that you can make an argument either way, but I'll go ahead and ask the question, Do is it possible or do we have the mark of the beast and also at the same time have the Holy Spirit in us? And that's one thing I enjoy about our studies. None of the questions are, are softballs. <laughs> 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 And I, and I think that that is a hard question, to, to, but I think it's like, I think kind of like the sanctification process. We have the Holy Spirit, and and we we have to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit in order to, to to really fully embrace what the Holy Spirit has to offer. So so the, so the battle becomes sometimes we don't listen, not not kind of willfully, but we get busy. I mean, we're, we're, we get distracted, we get deceived. And so I think that the Holy Spirit can still be in us, but the deception is great too. And so the mark of the beast is always right there, I think, trying to brand us like, like it's just constant. And, and so I think that's what should drive us back to God all the time, back to time with God, because it's it's really God's revelation that, that can affect us. So I, I kind of I don't have an exact answer, but I do think we can have the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, we have to acknowledge that that deception and sin are real, and they're trying to brand us. I mean, the, the, they're putting a mark on us all the time, and, and it's it's up to depending on the Holy Spirit to kind of wash that mark off. But as they're washed off, they're, it's going to keep coming. So, so it, it's not like we can we can say, "Oh, we're we're good." <laughs> like I got the Holy Spirit, I don't have to worry. It's it's a, co- a constant process of growing with God, prayer, lear- learning to be more intimate, learning what God's all about. And the, and the more we do that, I think the more we have an ability to withstand all the the branding. So, so I, I think it kind of they do go hand in hand. I mean the. I think the deception of Satan's job is to to pull us out of all that, and it's a twenty four seven job with Satan. So, so that's what we have to be on guard against. But I think they kind of coexist in in our lives. So just like we talked about with Babylon, are we, you know, are we part are we part of the problem really? And so, so I think. The, but there's a lot more discussion that we could have. We could have with us as many churches could have on on how does this all work and what and what does God intend us to do? Yeah. What's your answer to that? Well, I recall in Revelation seven verse fourteen, which I'm going to read. It says. And I said to him, Sir, you are the one who knows. Then he said to me, These are the ones who died in the great tribulation, 
they have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. So that theme of our robes being washed in the blood of the Lamb continues in Revelation. And there's also, in the very beginning of Isaiah, he gives this clue. So I'm going to read that. Isaiah 1, verse 18. Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. And I'm thinking to myself, having the mark of the beast is certainly a sin because you've compromised with the world and you can't have economic independence without going to a place of compromise. You can't choose to not participate. We're, and that's true today. I feel like I'm maybe liable to that, having both the mark of the beast and the Holy Spirit in me because I'm not innocent. And this is talking about being made pure, not because of what I've done, but because of the blood of Jesus. And that's kind of where I've arrived on at the moment. I'll read one more time in Revelation 22, so the last chapter. In verse 14, it says this. This is Jesus speaking. Blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. Mm -hmm. So that process of washing the robe, I think is done by God. I don't know, maybe there's some debate there, maybe there's a gray area where maybe we are washing part of our own robe and God's mm -hmm. washing the rest of it. Or <laughs> It sounds to me when I'm reading it is all of our sins, every single sin ever possible, including compromising with the world that the Antichrist is in charge of and the beast has marks on us. Mm -hmm. The blood of Jesus is gonna wash that away and my robe is gonna be pure white. Mm -hmm. Because I'm walking through this world and it's almost like I can't help but get dirty. I'm making myself dirty, but even when I try to be clean, I'm having contact with something in the world, something in society that's dirty, that's evil, that's corrupted, and I just can't escape from it. I can't escape from it until I'm in the New Jerusalem where everything is light and there is no darkness and deception has already been defeated. Mm -hmm. I can't save myself. I can't wash my own robe. Mm -hmm. I can't create a city where the moon and the sun aren't necessary because the, 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 the light the light that's beyond the sun, actually, beyond the sun, which is what I understand as light, as a human, beyond that is going to be present. I can't engineer that. I have no clue what that even means. So my answer is, I think, I think they coexist, and I think that's evidence for me on a personal level that we're already there. We're already there at the point where Babylon is at her prime and she's consuming our lives and some of us are dying but every single person who dies is going to be taken out of death and there's going to be an evaluation done by Jesus not by as far as I understand not by the father because he gave that role to Jesus out of his mercy 
And that's part of the reason why the most important question maybe that we should end with, Bill, is what does it mean to have our name in the book of life? Because that's how Jesus kind of summarizes it is, hey, you want to be, you want to enter the, the gates of the city? Mm-hmm. That means the same thing as having your name in the book of life. Mm-hmm. Can you comment on that before we end? Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that is a profound thing that, that Jesus brings or the Bible brings is, is that it isn't death that should be our biggest worry. I mean, we all can be afraid of death because that, that's what we know. We know life and we think, oh, it, it stops. But the reality is we're spiritual beings. And then the question is, where, where are we going to spend eternity? And Jesus <clears throat> is telling us that, that the most important thing is, is our relationship with God, our acceptance of God and our humility to God and recognizing that we've blown it, God hasn't, that we need God. And, and, and that will put us in the book of life. I mean, not thinking that we can do anything to earn anything, that we can put ourselves, but only, only through, the, through the power of God and through the power of Jesus can he put us in the book of life. And so, so, so it's really, I think, the, the submission that, that we can't do this ourselves, no matter how, how much we blow it or how much we do good, that's not enough. I mean, it's, it's just the, the acceptance of Jesus and recognizing that God's the only one who has this power. We don't have, we don't have this power, and it's just his grace, which is, which, which is a gift. I mean, it's, it's nothing we can do on our own. And, the, and the, that should be kind of foremost in our mind of, is, is this book of life. I mean, really grappling with that. It, it is our name in the book of life. I mean, because if it is, we're good, if, if, if that's the case. If not, we're not so good. <laughs> what do you think the book of life is? I'm not going to touch that question. <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to say to everybody who is listening, thank you. We're so encouraged by people all over the world having an interest in just this little refuge, this little oasis that we have in Woodville, Massachusetts, and what's going on here. So if any of what we've just talked about is something you've been pondering or wondering about and you want to talk to someone or you want to ask a question or you have an answer, um, why don't you go to sanctuaryatwoodville.org or take a look at our Facebook page and you can send us a message there, Sanctuary at Woodville. And we'd really love to hear from you. So thank you for listening. Remember to read Revelation because you will be blessed if you do. Swallow that hard pill. Take on the blessing. And may God bless you. Thank you. Amen. And keep going with your faith journey. (laughs) Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Sanctuary at Woodville podcast. As a Christian nonprofit ministry, we appreciate your spirit-led donations. To donate to the sanctuary and to listen to more podcasts, visit www.sanctuaryatwoodville.org.